And here we are at the final episode for this season of the Awkward In Between podcast. What what makes this the end of a season, Damo? I mean, it seems very arbitrary. It is arbitrary. We just decided we were going to stop after 12. We've had enough. <laughs> so, you know what? That's enough for now. We'd like a break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, it's our podcast. We can do that if we want. can do what you want. That's exactly it. That's the beauty of it. You know, we're not getting paid at all to do this, so no one's you know, making us obliged to come out and show up and do no, stuff. No, that's right. We that's still exactly haven't right. managed to score a beer sponsorship. No, we no, we have for, not had so. a beer sponsorship. But speaking of beer... Yes. As we have all season, I do have a beer for us today. Excellent. And uh, it's really aptly named, actually. So this beer yes. is actually made by a very good friend of mine. Okay. Uh, I won't name him, uh, but uh, he is in the process of working towards a brewery of his own. Right. Uh, which I hope to be very closely involved it, with because he makes excellent beer. That's good. Uh, but uh, without naming the future brewery's name right, or, so, or the brewer's name. So hey, at the moment, we're no longer just looking for beer sponsorship. We're looking for investors. Is that where this is going? Well, look, hey, if anybody wants to invest in a brewery, I may know an opportunity that could be upcoming. But uh, So feel free to reach out. But uh, no, this one is called the Double Shot Coffee Imperial Stout, mm. and for yeah, maybe some of our listeners, our three or four of them that are out there, yeah, uh, may remember that, uh, and we've talked about it here and there that for a, for a season, you and I were doing breakfast radio, yep, on a regional Christian radio station. Probably had about as many listeners as there are for this podcast, but we were the breakfast show was called the Double Shot. So it when was. I saw this one sitting in my fridge, I thought this is perfect for this on. final chat, just you and me, no guests. Yep. Wrapping up the season. So you start talking and I will start pouring. All right. That sounds good to me. Yeah, well, I've really enjoyed um, the experience of putting a podcast together. We've definitely learned a lot of things on the way. It was really great in the last episode chatting with Conrad, who's obviously been doing it for quite a while and um, getting some of his tips and things, uh, it, not just in the recording stuff, but off air kind of gave us a few ideas as well. But it's been great seeing, the, I think, the quality of our recordings have improved. I think the conversations have become better. I think too, one of the things, you know, th this is a quote that someone said to me recently um, that I thought was really applicable to what we're doing here with the podcast. And the quote, or it wasn't much of a quote, it was just a, a philosophy that you take into conversations when you're having you know, conversations with people with different thoughts than you. Um, and their quote was to say to that person, what would it take for me to change your mind? And then to also have that question in your own head and being able to answer that for yourself. What would it take for them to change my mind? Um, because I think that opens us up to a bit more of awareness of where our sense of authority and truth uh, lies and also our openness to have our, our perspectives changed. Yeah, that's a real challenge, isn't it? Yeah. I, I know, you know, in years gone by, because I like to think of myself as a moderately intellectual human being, you mm. know, like, um, and that I like to, you know, and philosophical human being, I have often thought over the years, I was like, hey, look, we can have this debate, but, you know, maybe there's not much chance that you're going to change my mind because I feel like I've already thought about the things that you might say to me. Yeah. What's interesting is that, you know, 10 or 20 years later, I now don't believe a whole lot of the things that I would have once felt that way about, mm. you know? And I wouldn't have been able to say at the time yeah. what it would take to change my mind. I probably didn't think there was anything that could change my mind on that thing. I, I wasn't, I don't, 
it was arrogant, but it wasn't intentionally kind of just consciously screw you arrogant. Mm. Um, I just felt like I'd probably thought it through well enough that it was unlikely somebody would offer up a new piece of information and change my mind. Yeah. And yet a whole bunch of those things have changed for Mm. me now. You know, I could list them off and, and I go, well, okay. And what about now? Yeah. Do I feel the same way now? Like right now, do I feel like, oh, on such, you know, on this issue, it would be hard for you to change my mind because I've thought even more about it now. Mm. What would it take? Um, that's, that's really challenging. Yeah. So for you, like what, what would you see as some of the, I guess, the keystones of your yeah, sense of authority? Like where do you get your ideas for the trick? Because I, I think for both of us, once upon a time, you know, we, we talked at the beginning of this you know, whole season about the fact that we came from very conservative evangelical kind of upbringings. And I guess when you're in that upbringing, there's an idea that your sense of authority is, is it's the Bible, it's the scriptures, it's, you know, and, and there's generally a particular ways in which you're coached to understand and interpret those scriptures and stuff. Mm. Um, and so, for, you know, that, that becomes the ground, you know, the ground or the platform to say, okay, well, what does, you know, what does the Bible say about this issue? What would Jesus do in this situation? That kind of thing. And obviously that's no longer, or you've had that disrupted. Yeah. Yeah. So what would it be now? Like what are the things that you look for? I think the first thing that comes to mind when thinking about that is, is one of the most significant shifts that has happened for me is, is around the, the need for certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have definitely lived most of my life and, and mostly in those spaces that you've just described feeling like certainty was was important yep you know that actually coming to a certain answer mm. on all of you know a whole lot of issues was important yeah uh and i think in the last few years one of the most significant shifts for me is i you know i know i've used this little catchphrase more than once over the tw- you know 12 episodes we've done um is that i, th- I think certainty is overrated mm. uh, i think that become i, I have become and i I guess, and and this is the arrogance of it, right? Like, is I have become more comfortable with certainty, and I have come to believe that that is a healthier place yeah. to live. Yeah, yeah. And so, I guess then that changes the nature of what you're looking for when it comes to authority. When you require certainty, right? What you know, what the way you're going to look at what your authority is, yeah. is going to be different to when you're like, well, actually, I'm not sure. I'm not sure certainty is that important. Mm. In fact, I'm not even sure it's possible. You know, I, I'm probably in a place in my life these days where I still am inclined to believe that there is ultimate truth out there, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure I believe that it's knowable. That's really interesting. I was having a conversation um, uh, with a family member last week just on that whole sense of, you know, yeah, whether or not there is absolute truth, particularly in the area of like morality. Is there an absolute right and wrong? Yeah, what right. does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm toying with this idea at the moment, this sense of collective consciousness that you know we we are all in some way connected to one another, um, and that we can have experiences and thoughts and things that contributes to the overall thought and experience of everybody. Um, Part of one big neural network. Yeah, exactly that sort of idea. And then my thought that perhaps morality then gets birthed out of that collective consciousness. So when there's enough people that start to think, you know what, uh, justice is an important moral issue or say slavery is wrong, whatever it might be, mm. then that starts to 
form this sense that you know, becomes innate within you know your gut feel that goes oh yeah i think you know that that's slavery is wrong or you know injustice or justice is a good thing peace is a good thing love mm-hmm. is a good thing um and that becomes an innate feeling but it's only because it's been conjured up or a discuss and th- th- i mean this was the question is it something that the collective consciousness discovers because it exists in an absolute or is it something that the collective consciousness forms because there is no absolute but we have the power and the creativity to form this together yeah um <laughs> which i think is interesting but i just love that idea yeah and that's what i'm i'm yeah you know exploring at the moment that idea of of this you know this hive mind existing that mm, mm. that allows us to form these and find these things that are bigger than ourselves rather than just relying on an individualist sense that oh, what's right for me is right for me and mm. how does that interact for you these days obviously again in light of that evangelical kind of fairly conservative christian um journey that both of us have had that has kind of been in many ways the story that our whole podcast has kind of come out of how how does that interact for you with the idea that there may or may not be a god Mm-hmm. And obviously, that particular heritage of ours yep. told us, well, there definitely is. Yes, and he is the giver yeah, of, of yeah. ultimate of of you know morality and and yes. um, definitive truth. Um, I think. I mean, what's for me the the idea of God? Like, I, I, for me, the term God is fairly um, indefinable because I think once mm. you can define it, it's no longer God. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole idea, you know, like I've definitely, you know, like putting my cards out on the table, the idea of there being some masculine figure, um, you know, I, I don't hold to that anymore. I don't think God needs to have some sort of sex or gender because I think that seems, you know, again, if I was to call on other things that I do look for, for authority, logic and reason would probably be one of those things. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, well, sure. you know, logically, what is the purpose of there being some, you know, huge astronomically large figure with a giant <laughs> penis or whatever. You know, that just seems a bit absurd when you put it that way. So all of a sudden the need for God to have a gender is kind of stupid in my, you know, in, in my reasoning. Um, so what is God, you know, for me, it, it's, yeah, it, it's kind of when you, that sense that if there is something bigger, that, that belief um, or that idea of something that's beyond my own comprehension, beyond my own understanding, beyond my own logic and reason, whatever that is, I will call that God. Mm. Um, and I had actually, you know, and, and I might fluff this up completely, but I was listening to an episode of Rob Bell's podcast um, recently where he talked about, um, he was kind of talking about uh, collective groups and he started talking about about the idea of of the supermarket, and there is individual parts within the supermarket, but then there's this whole that exists that is the supermarket. So you might go in there and go, okay, there's an apple on this shelf, and there's a you know a can of baked beans on that shelf, and those are single uh, entities of their own, but then they come under this overriding banner of the supermarket. Um, you know, or for example, you might look at an apple and an orange being they're both fruits. Uh, so they're both individual and apple is distinct from an orange, but they both come under the category of fruits. And this idea that there are broader categories that, you know, that things can fill into. So you might have you know, male and female, but that then comes under the category of you know, biology, of you know, whatever animal you might be talking about. So you might have you know, man, woman, human, uh, and that human's the overriding category. Mm. 
Yeah, so where I'm going to extrapolate this to is that if everything like you might look here on Earth itself becomes a collectivist thing. So you might have, you know, trees, planets, uh, sorry, trees, people, animals, water, but we're all together in what is called Earth. And then Earth itself falls into a what is the solar system and that comes into Mm. a what is the galaxy and what is the universe. Yeah. So there's a a bigger sense of – so I think when you get to that point of nothing can be uh, above the ultimate sense of collectivism over all of us, I would say that that may be God. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I think it, look, obviously it's a it's a tough one. I I guess for me now, the idea of God is 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 a word that I use to dis, to describe my innate sense that there is some sort of meaning yep. to this experience, perhaps beyond what is. Readily apparent in the yeah. physical, you know, the physical here and now. Yep. Um, for me, whatever that, whatever that is, is what I would call God. Yes. You know, and it could be what you're describing. You know, it could actually just be the kind of interconnectedness of the universe. Yep. Uh, you know, and that we would die, and our atom. You know, we we as a consciousness might cease to exist, but we as energy will continue to exist in some form as a part of the universe. Yes. Um, I, I guess I I can't quite unravel where my wanting yeah there to be even more than that ends, and my thinking that maybe there is begins. You know, like it's sure. very <laughs> it's hard to know. Do I think that maybe there's more than that when it yes. comes to our own? You know, Damien is Damien as in the consciousness of Damien right. going to continue in some form beyond this life? Yeah. I want that to be true. Yes. You know? Um, and I'm not sure whether that's the only reason why I think it might be true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fair. Because how can we possibly know? Yeah. Like in terms of, and this is what I'm saying, like I feel like there is truth out there. I mean, it seems to me, and again, this is logic, right? So I guess, yep. yes, logic is definitely something I, I lean on. Uh, it, it seems to me that, Either the consciousness that is Damien will continue in some form mm. or it won't. Right. So one of those two things will be true. Yes. I don't really see how logically both or neither can be true. Yeah. You know, it's like, so yeah, it's, um, so I believe that one of those is true. So there is this kind of tr- arbitrary, you know, like um, clear truth out there. Mm. But I, I don't think it's possible for me to know the answer to that question. No. Here and now. Yep. Yep. I can philosophize, I can hypothesize, I can believe. Yep. But I'm not sure that I can see how I could actually know it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good place for uncertainty. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Because those are the, I think the things that you, um, yeah, I mean, the things that you can't be certain about, you probably shouldn't be certain about. Right. Yeah, and I think that's that's something where I I feel like there's an an unhealthiness mm. to the way I've previously lived my life, which is acting as if I can be genuinely certain about something that like you just can't. Yeah, you know, and I think I don't see any loss of value to live life actually humble enough to go well. Even if there's things I believe to be true, I'm happy to still admit that I can't say, say with certainty I know them to be true. Yeah. 
And I think that becomes really useful as far as learning how to live well in the here and now rather than thinking about the uncertain and the what happens after, you know, after death and all those kind mm-hmm. of things and the, the future. And, yeah, is being able to go, okay, well, if, you know, and, and I think this was a theme that came up in a number of our episodes. Like I remember the episode with Ray Lee and she was talking about the whole idea, well, what is this, how does it impact what I'm doing here and now, you know, does my theory mm-hmm. of evolution or versus creation interact and change with how I you know, respond to people around me? If yes, great. You, you know, dig into that. If not I'm wasting my time, I just want to learn how to, to live well with the people. And, you know, and even when we spoke to Matt Prater and he was talking about, you know, heaven and hell and stuff like that. And yeah. obviously uh, within his framework, those are also very, you know, they're real physical places that exist somewhere in some sort of dimensional space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're also things that he's looking at and go, but what can I do to bring more heaven here on earth or reduce mm. the amount of hell here on earth? And I yeah. think, well, that's really useful then. That becomes something that irrespective of the afterlife is now having meaning for real people right here, right now. And I think that's where those questions kind of become useful um yeah yeah no i think you're right i i was thinking along the same lines it's just like well you know sure i mean i enjoy these conversations i'm sure mm. that's obvious you know we're doing this because in no small way part because we enjoy these kinds of conversations but but uh yeah where where does the rubber hit the road yeah. and, and i think um i think it goes both ways right i'm kind of like well there are there are things that if you choose to believe them and act on them as if they are true, um, even though it may not be possible to believe them, mm. seem to the collective, you know, that you're describing yep. to be to have a negative impact, mm. you know, and, and you might say racism is one of those, right. you know, sexism is one of those. Yep. If you hold beliefs that cause you to act, you know, like a racist. Yes. Then the collective seems to, you know, the the, the long term, what is it, the the arc of history that, yep. that Martin Luther King talked about, you know, um, would seem to suggest that those things are negative. Yeah, and then there's others that I think seem to definitely have positive outcomes, and then perhaps there's others that don't really matter either way, mm. you know, and kind of go, well, great, hey, believe that if you want to, for if sure. that is good for you, yep. and it's not harming anybody else, yeah. You know, if you get more joy or peace around the idea that there's an eternity, yeah, um, and, and that causes your uh, experience of this life to be more positive, mm. and even though you can't know one way or the other, uh, and some people might think you're crazy for believing it, who cares? Yeah, you know, like why not believe it? Yeah, uh, I think I said that when we interviewed Leanne. You know, it's kind of going if somebody could show up right now and prove to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is absolutely no meaning to all of this whatsoever, mm. uh, I'd be like, yeah, don't bother. I don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, like I'm happy in my believing that it's true even if it's not because yeah. I don't see how knowing that that isn't true yeah. would make this experience any better. Any better, yeah. And if it has no meaning on the other side of it, then who cares? Exactly. <laughs> Give whatever meaning I want. So getting back to the idea of the collective too, what I like about, you know, and, and again, where this I think is a useful tool is that it, it creates another platform for authority. Um, when you've got like, if you talk about logic and reason, I say I look at scientific method. I think that's a, a, a good basis, um, even though that may change you know, as we discover things more, um, might give us new knowledge and understanding. I think the method itself is actually quite a, a good method. But what I like is, you know, in the collective consciousness sense, getting back to what you were saying before about, say, racism or whatever, when you've got the group 
um, collectively, you know, the human species suddenly getting into awareness of, okay, you know, love is a value that we, we all wish to uphold. Mm. That can then be then used as a, a, you know, as a, a testing point for some of those previous knowledges and things. Like let's say you're going, oh, okay, I want to hold to, I don't know, any, if there's something out of scripture. So you might want to say, I want to hold to slavery because, you know, in the Bible they had slaves and it was all fine. So I think having slaves is fine. Yeah. But you've got a collective consciousness that's coming and forming and saying, well, actually, we think, you know, that love is also something that we want to uphold and that's mm. there in the Bible and it's there in other places and we don't think that there's a logical way in which someone can be living in a way of love and still having ownership over another person. Mm, yeah. That drives us to further develop, I guess, our, our systems of you know, theology and morality and all that kind of stuff in a, in a good way. Like so we're, now, recently it's in America they're, and they've got Senate elections and, so, and it's really fascinating. Like their political system, I don't get it. <laughs> Um, it's a trip. <laughs> it's a trip. I'm watching ads on TV. So they, they had these ads come on and they'd do it in a way where, the, the, you know, they'd have like the average Joe speaking and it was filmed in a way where it looked like they were just using the, you know, the selfie camera on their mouse. So really poor quality filming and everything and lighting and yep. really made it seem like the average Joe <laughs> and done in a way too that because it was the average Joe, like, hi, I'm Joe and I'm a Republican from Phoenix, Arizona. And I think. All of a sudden, he didn't have to say anything that was legit, you know, factual or whatever. Because mm-hmm. oh, here's an average Joe just telling you his opinion on a particular person can say whatever they bloody well want. Yeah, but what was interesting is that you'd have average Joe from Phoenix, who's a Republican, getting up and talking about the fact he really doesn't like Carrie Lake, who's also a Republican, because she's too extreme on this issue. So we need to be supporting another Republican, not that Republican. <laughs> like, it's uh yeah it's quite a it's just such an interesting world we live in and i do think that probably something else that has has only solidified for me in the course of these interviews and in this season of of the awkward in between mm. is is the unhelpfulness of of just constantly doubling down on extreme opinions yeah you yep. know and so like also having just recently been in america only a few weeks ago myself um, you know, I think one of those issues, and this was quite soon when we were there, was quite soon after the um, Supreme Court decision right. around Roe versus Roe okay, v. Wade, okay, right? Yep. And uh, and so I, I look at a, a topic like abortion. Yep. And I hear and have friends and family who are screaming about it from one side that yep. it is just bad under every circumstance right. because you know the, the unborn child is a person. Yep. Um, because that's what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, you can get your teeth into like, why do they believe that? And what yeah. really backs it? Whatever. Totally. But, but then the other side of the argument, just screaming back from the opposite side of the room, no, you know, choices, always what's right, you know, yeah. and and just totally. Right. Now, I don't have a problem with either of those people holding those positions, and I understand the basis yeah. for both of those positions. Yeah. But I think that the screaming at each other, you're completely wrong and I'm completely right, yep. is just unhelpful. Yep. Um, you know, like I just, I just don't see it ever taking – you know, if we're a collective, then I don't think that gets us anywhere ever. A refusal to try to understand the other person's yeah, reasons yeah, yeah. for believing what they believe, even though we don't currently understand it, 
Yes. To go, I just don't understand you, just wrong, rather than I don't understand, could you help me? Totally. Exactly. Not to agree with you, but to understand how you can hold that position. Yep. I think is, is just always a problem. It always sets us back and doesn't take us forward. Yeah, yeah, and that was, I mean, that was where it was really interesting um, watching this, these ads because this Carrie Lake particular person and why this other you know, average Joe from Phoenix was to do with the abortion issue because yeah. it, you know, Carrie Lake, is a, from what I understand, I don't know much about US politics, but from what I understand, is one of those people that under no circumstance is it ever appropriate to have an abortion. So just blanks yeah. like completely, you know, and the average Joe was like, well, what about situations with rape or incest or yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think this is really interesting. And this is where, I mean, for me, where I like the idea of the collective consciousness, um, and again, where I'm warming to that, is that sense that on one hand you've got, like, I think, because I think that, that there are uh, moral truths that are coming through on both sides. On one hand you've got a moral truth that says freedom of choice People should be free. They should be free to make choices for themselves and you know, whatever. And that's yeah. something that, you know, that's a good thing. The sanctity of life. Also, I think something collectively we go, yeah, human life is valuable and worthwhile and whatever. And then you've got these gray areas, or these areas where those two things suddenly create situations where you can't, you know, where, where it gets messy. Mm. Like, you know, you can't uphold for people to have freedom and not realize that some people are going to exercise their freedom to do horrific things like yeah. rape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you can't have the idea of people having freedom of choice and not going, well, someone might make the decision that I want to, you know, abort a fetus that's growing in my body. Mm. And then, you know, and have that same situation or the, the difficult on the other side where you've got, okay, I want to be able to uphold life and the dignity of it. Well, if you want to uphold life and the dignity of it, then you need to prevent people from exercising their freedom to rape. Yes, because that's yeah degenerating on life, and that yeah. But if you've allowed somebody to do that, you know, like yeah, yeah. And it's it, it's messy. It, it right, and I think that is just where I I feel like, along with my lack of certainty about much at all, mm-hmm. I just think it, it the admission that it's messy. Yeah, that almost all of these difficult conversations are complex, not. Simplistic, mm. and I think when we treat complex problems as if they're simplistic, we do ourselves a massive disservice. Yep, as individuals, and definitely as the as a collective. Yeah, you know, and and we were talking about this a little with Conrad, right? It's right. kind of like, well, would you try and have a reasonable conversation with a Nazi? Yep, and he kind of didn't quite, you know, he was kind of leaning towards, well, yeah, I think I, I think I'd try to. Yeah. For sure. You know, like I think I would like to be somebody who can go, uh, like I don't think I'm ever going to agree with them. Yeah. Um, but is it is it not still helpful to try and understand how a person can hold that opinion? Mm. You know, uh, I, I and is there a limit to that? Well, you know, that was our conversation with Conrad and I, I don't know. That's another, I mean, that conversation in itself is complex, right? Yeah. Do we give them a platform? Yes. Is it, you know, is there some conversations you shouldn't platform and, or have, at least in public, because that conversation needs to not even have a voice, you mm. know? It's just so obviously wrong. Yeah. But obviously wrong to who? Yeah, right. To me, to you, maybe even to most of the collective, yep. so to speak. But even then, that's, well, it's only... You know, I mean, let's be honest, slavery is only obviously wrong to the majority of the collective. 
in the 21st century. Right. Not a couple hundred years ago. No, collective was all for it. You know, the collective has shifted. Yeah. How did that shift? By having conversations. Yes. You know, like actually by going, well, hang on, slavery might be wrong. And the collective is going, no, it's not. Yep. Don't give voice to those conversations. That's ridiculous. Of course, slavery is okay. It's in the Bible. Right. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, I just, I just think that trying to understand, yep. trying to understand another's perspective, no matter how distasteful it might be to us right now, mm. is just, it just gotta, it's got to be better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's where I'd like to see, like, you know, it, it, season two. Right. I was going to ask you, what do you think? Yep. Season two. Season do two. Do we or don't we? That's the first question. Oh, look, I'm happy to, if for no other reason, it's just cathartic and I enjoy it's been it. It's great. And, we've yeah. enjoyed it. I don't know if anyone else cares, but we've enjoyed it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and that was talking to Conrad, his whole reason for doing his podcast. You know what? I've got a voice and an opinion. I, I want to put it out there. <laughs> yeah, Whatever. That's right. And we're probably the same, which is funny because I think going back to episode one, we were talking about, yeah, that's not. Not why we want to do this podcast, because you know there's enough white people, old white men, giving their, their opinions, opinions on stuff. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. And we're we're kind of hesitant to give our opinions about abortion and LGBTQ issues and other things, but uh, have strong opinions about whether or not we should be allowed to have those opinions. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, all but right. Yeah. So, so we assume we're doing a, a, a another podcast. And can I say? Yep. I would love for the handful of people out there listening to. This- this episode, other than you and me and our mothers, yep. uh, to to consider engaging with us a little. Like at the moment, we're just on Facebook and Twitter. Yep. Or you can send us an email, you know, and you can find uh, any of those details um, just by Googling, you know, the Awkward In Between podcast. Uh, it would be so great for, especially in this kind of period of time between now and our second season kicking off, you know, sometime in the first half of next year. Yep. Um, to, to get some feedback from people. Like I, I know it's, you know, t- we're all busy. Yeah. But if you've got a sec, let us know. You know, what would you like to hear us talk about? What are we talking about that you couldn't care less about yep. and wish we'd shut up about? Yeah. Uh, but help us to to shape what we're doing so that for the handful of people who do seem to be finding it valuable, uh, and that's enough for me, Yep. Uh, if that's all it ever is, um, you know, that we can shape it more uh, in a valuable direction. Yep. Yep. No, definitely. I agree. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, for me personally, I think having those conversations that we were talking about before about being able to just um, converse with more people that we probably have disagreement with, I think is something yeah. I'd probably like to explore more um, and, you know, and being able to have those curious conversations it will help me understand why it is you think it's. And then for me personally, it's again tying that back into this sense and, and is there underneath whatever our differences of opinions, and this is something, again, I got out of the, the Matt Prater episode, underneath the differences of opinions that we have, even if you happen to be a Nazi, and I'm, is there something at the base of where you've reached your, your viewpoint that ties back into something that I think collectively we all agree on? You know, is it coming from a, a distorted view of what it means to bring love or peace or mm, you know, whatever, mm. justice, these things that I think are important? Um, yeah, yeah like trying to find things we can agree on. Yeah. Uh, and go, but, well, okay, if we both believe that, then how are we seeing those things differently that we're landing in such different places? Or, and I think we all have blind spots, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, you know, we all have blind spots and we can't see our blind spots. That is the very, you know, yes. the very nature of a blind spot is that we can't see those for ourselves. I'd, lo- I'd love to you know, explore that in, in season two, you know, the fact that we might be having a conversation with somebody about abortion 
who we disagree with significantly. Yeah. But what are our blind spots on both sides of the conversation? Yeah. What is it that I can't see? Yes. That causes me not just to disagree with you, but to not even understand how you could hold that opinion. Yep. And vice versa. You know, can we? Uh, yeah, I, I think we've talked a lot in this season about the fact that it would be good to be able to have these conversations right. with more grace and love, right? So maybe next season we attempt to do that a little more often. We dive into some of these tough conversations with people we both agree with and disagree with. Totally. And and attempt to actually do that process, to yep. have the conversations with love and respect. I think that sounds like fun. Hopefully you'll join us. And if so, we will see you next year for season two of The Awkward In Between. Have a great Christmas. Bye.